Thursday Theology. Welcome and uh, stay tuned. Well, it's not like your dial is going to tune out or anything. I mean, it's not radio, but you yeah, know, thanks, I thought it was pretty lame. Bro. Thanks like, for sticking with us. It's been a rough week. No one's got a radio, bro. Like, where's this tuning thing coming from? I mean, look, it's a, it's proverbial or it's idiomatic. It's just yeah. become a part of our culture to say "stay tuned." I don't mean radio. Yeah, I just lame. mean stay on. And it sounds. What are we going to say? Stay on the internet. <laughs> you know, like like don't drop your phone. <laughs> Just don't erase your podcast downloader app. Just say something like Theology Thursday coming up. Yeah. Well, you can do it from now on. I mean, <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I can't take the pressure of having to do something original every time. You have all these great <laughs> plans and then you press record and it all just goes to smudge. And you always say the yeah. stupid thing like stay tuned. Anyways, whatever. So you're with <laughs> us now and we're talking Thursday Theology. So welcome. Welcome to this awesome radio station. Uh, Thursday Theology mm. Radio, and um, and we want to. What are we talking about today, Nick? We've um, thanks for joining <laughs> us in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me over, Mike. <laughs> uh, well, we've looked at the doctrine of justification, mm-hmm. and uh, I just remember a cracker article by J.R. Packer, yeah. where he looked at the development and the decline of the Puritan doctrine of justification. And I thought it would be interesting for us to look at, you know, the dark side, the decline side, as um, the Puritans sort of devolved into Arminianism and mm. Neonomianism. Yeah. Um, so Baxter, after the Baxter, that scoundrel. Yeah, exactly. So after after the late 1600s, where Puritanism reached its peak, there was a decline. Right. And the decline came in the form of Arminianism and Neonomianism. And the so, fact that um, there wasn't any decline, there was a decline. Oh. Uncline, A climb, <laughs> decline. Okay. <laughs> Let's recline. Let's... <laughs> All right. Sorry, messed that up. Go for it. All right. This is a bad week for me. So this is a bad week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at Armenianism. And uh, this is how J.R. Pekka sort of spells out the doctrine that came in. So, I mean, what's the Puritan doctrine of justification? It's the imputation of an alien righteousness, which comes uh, by virtue of God effectually calling us through the instrumental means of faith. We cling to Christ. We are justified by this alien righteousness. And that was the bedrock of the Puritan doctrine. Mm. And this got chipped away at. And um, so here are five points uh, that Packer makes. He says, firstly, the Arminian said that man's faith is not wholly a gift of God. So mm-hmm. that's the denial of total depravity. You know, mm-hmm. man is not dead in sin. He's just a little bit sick in sin. He still has this in, uh, innate ability to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first way in which it wore down. Secondly, there was no connection between Christ's obedience on behalf of his people and the Spirit's application of what Christ had done for the elect. Right. They asserted that Christ's death did not secure anything but provided a provisional atonement. So it's a denial of limited atonement or definite atonement. Mm-hmm. They taught a provisional atonement. Mm-hmm. So that salvation was available for all, but but not certain for any. And so as a result, substitutionary atonement was abandoned. Mm-hmm. And he writes, for substitution is by its very nature an effective relationship securing actual immunity from obligation 
for the person in whose place the substitute acts. Mm-hmm. And in the place of substitutionary atonement, um, the Arminians began to adopt the moral government theory, mm-hmm. which came from the uh, Dutch judge Grotius. Mm-hmm. And the moral government theory, um, there's a couple of spins on it, but it would be something like this. Through the cross, um, God punishes sin, and it's a deterrent which says sin is really bad, and this is what happens to sinners. Yeah. And so um, it's to see, it's a, an attempt to morally influence people, or to put it on the positive, God God displays His love through the cross. So the cross is not a substitute paying for sin. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a broadcast. It's a it's a broadcast message by a king yeah. who's trying to rule his. His his government through lures and deterrence. Yeah, it was kind of a symbolic um, uh, package, equivalent package for sin that the moral governor of the universe ordained would be a sufficient deterrent. It's it's a crazy sort of anything that sort of like backflips to get out of the fact that it was actually your sin being died for. Yeah. Uh, the third relevant denial was that the covenant of grace is a relationship which God imposes unilaterally and unconditionally. By effectual calling, saying saying to his elect, I will and you shall. Mm-hmm. The Arminian alternative was that the covenant of grace is now a new law offering present pardon on condition of present faith and final salvation on condition of sustained faith. Yeah. Oh, boy. So that would, uh, that would ring a lot of bells with us because mm-hmm. uh, our definition of grace, which is demerited favor, mm-hmm. <laughs> and our understanding of faith, which is the instrumental means, not the meritorious means. Mm-hmm. But um, they set up this whole thing of that they, they redefined faith, and that's the fourth point. Yeah. So whereas in the reformed understanding, faith is an issue of trusting in another, mm-hmm. uh, to Arminianism, faith is primarily about commitment, in yeah. particular to living out a new law. And so what they do is they they basically confuse uh, faith for repentance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then the, the fifth thing they did is they changed the grounds of justification. So no longer was the imputed righteousness of Christ the grounds of our justification, but rather the faith that we give to God is accepted by God as our righteousness. And so they would appeal to texts like Romans 4, verse 3 to 9, mm-hmm. and it talks about their faith being reckoned for righteousness. Mm. And uh, so instead of Christ's righteousness, um, coming before God to justify us, our faith comes before God, and God says, "Oh, that's a good faith. I'll mm. justify you." Exactly. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So the, the, the whole idea of what's that? Such a far fall from the from the Reformation. It's crazy. Which is when you hear it spelled out like the, you know, they went off a cliff pretty instantly, didn't they? Wow. Crazy. Yeah. And so um, the insistence on Christ, Christian, uh, the Christian's righteousness being a gift yep. was undermined. Yeah. Um, and a repeated emphasis that sinners, though ungodly, are justified through Christ's blood is undermined mm-hmm. because it's all about your faith. Right, your right, faith right. gets you in. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that came in. And um, another attack on the doctrine which came in uh, was, was uh, Amaraldianism. Mm-hmm. And this was considered to be a halfway house between Arminianism and Calvinism. Mm-hmm. And Richard Baxter became an advocate of this view. Mm-hmm. So uh, Packer writes, he says, this view adopts the Arminian view of the covenant of grace. That's a new law offering pardon on the basis of present faith and heaven on the basis of sustained faith. Mm-hmm. It also believed in an indefinite or universal redemption, but it retains the Calvinistic belief in particular redemption, effectual calling, and final preservation. So it's mm-hmm. an attempt at a hybrid, but it sneaks this law thing 
into um, the, the Puritan doctrine of justification. Wow. And so uh, was that, was Baxterianism. That, yeah, because I always thought yeah. that Baxterianism or Neonomianism essentially came from Emeraldianism rather than it actually being Emeraldian. Yeah, so it was one. It's um, um, so yeah. This 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 was Baxter's version of it. Right. So he yeah. he had a version of Emeraldianism. Right. So it was the Bax, Baxterism more properly at that level. Yeah. Because yeah, I think every, so every time he, I ever he, looked at he, it, yeah. Sorry. Go yeah, for it. he was a fruit of this doctrine that was going around. Uh-huh. So he was just one one of the fruits. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, so, uh, that's when it all just came apart, you know, with Baxter, because he had such enormous influence. Yeah. I mean, his book, The Reformed Pastor, I don't read it on purpose because I feel too bad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. The guy was a machine. He was like a Charles Wesley. Yeah. You know, he had a village of 3,000 and he visited every home and preached to every person and catechized every single person yeah. in person, you know, and this, this was the normal pastor's responsibility. And uh, he had major revival and, you know, he went into Kidderminster and most people weren't saved. And by the time he died, most people were. Wow. Um, wow. It's just that the influence of the man was monumental. Yeah. Um, he was a force in that regard. Totally. But what a diabolical doctrine yeah. though, man. I mean, it's basically, <laughs> you know, ripping ripping the gospel right out of the gospel. It's crazy. You know, just, yeah. just okay. Well, so let's, listen to, uh, here's, a, here's a quote from Packer. He says this. Baxter's view sprang from natural theology. He thought that the Bible's teaching about God's kingdom (laughs) and rule Uh should be assimilated to contemporary political ideas. Uh Or as he put it, that theology should follow a political method. So God should be thought of as a governor Mm -hmm. and the gospel as part of his legal code. Our salvation requires a double righteousness in Baxter's view. Christ... Christ's righteousness, which led to the enacting of God's new law, mm-hmm. and then our own, in obeying that new law by genuine faith and repentance. So Christ's, Christ's obedience doesn't secure an imputed righteousness for us. It secures an opening for another law, mm. uh, a lowering of the standards for our faith mm. to uh, qualify for our righteousness. Man. So that's that's what Baxter is doing there. Wow. So faith is imputed for righteousness because it is real obedience to the gospel, which has now become God's new law. Yeah. Faith, it, however, involves the commitment to keep the moral law, which mm-hmm. was God's original code. And every believer, though righteous in terms of the new law, needs pardon every moment for his shortcomings in relation to the old law. Jesus Christ, who procured this new law for mankind by satisfying the prescriptive and penal requirements of the old one, should be thought of as head of God's government, enthroned to pardon true believers, and into this political frame of concepts, uh, learned learned mainly from the Armenian uh, Hugo de, de Groot or Grotius. Grotius yeah. Baxter fitted the Emeraldian soteriology. Right. Yeah. So that's wow. that's Baxter, man. man shocking, eh? That is shocking. I, it's shocking every time I hear it. It's like, dude, that guy. Wow. The thing is, he's still like one of the most popular Puritans. <laughs> You know, people always reading him and, you know, I, it's funny because you talk about it and, and people are still like shocked when they hear that, you know, um, yeah. that actually Baxter wasn't the good guy. Well, I mean, I mean, he wasn't the, I don't know, so difficult because I suppose you'd put him there with, with like Finney in some sense, you know, in that he was full well, of zeal. Probably more like Wesley. 
Wesley. Yeah. I mean, Wesley, Wesley the thing that orthodox. Yeah. thing about Wesley, though, is that even though he said he was Arminian, functionally he ended up affirming everything that was important about Calvinism anyway, yeah. you know, which he kind of saved him. Atonement. Right. Yeah. Whereas you got Baxter, who's saying he's a, Cal- or, you know, hanging with the Puritans and actually undermining it, you know, at the core. So it's almost a, a bit of a different scenario, almost more like Finney in my mind, but um, obviously very productive and fruitful in that regard. But, you know, and, and um, yeah, just leaves leaves the wow factor there. Um, but, I mean, those are some undoings of, of almost everything that's important about the gospel. You get the wrath, law, you know, tutor crushing you, showing you your only, only hope is Christ. And uh, when we yeah. say only hope, we mean only hope, you know, and then the motivation <laughs> for the Christian life is coming from that. And then, you know, any zeal for holiness will never be, will never reduce to legalism because, you know, you've got this fixed understanding of what Christ has already achieved for you. So all of that's taken away. I mean, it's just, yeah. he just opened Pandora's box. So I know now, it was Baxter's, funny. Baxter's motivation was he, he believed that the Puritan doctrine of, of uh, justification led to antinomianism. Yeah. So he was very concerned for holiness and very concerned for obedience and concerned to see that Christians went on in sanctification and a life of repentance. Mm. So what he did is he built works into his definition of faith mm. and into his definition of, um, you know, basically we have to persevere or else. So funny, you know, when they critique antinomians, have you ever gone and read some of the antinomians? Like I, I often looked at, um, you know, because uh, Gill was accused of, of being antinomian or giving a rise to it. And um, so I've, I've, I've often had a look at Tobias Crisp and all those guys. I love them. <laughs> I always look at the antinomian guys and I'm like, these guys are preaching the gospel, man. You know? Yeah. Thomas uh, Austin. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. I'm just very weary of that that uh, wherever it's coming from, certainly from Richard Baxter, but any sort of accusation against antinomian uh, theology is probably quite good theology that's, you know, (laughs) and um, it's just basically they were trying to keep the law in its third use rather than um, some other thing. Um, Yeah. But yeah. As a response response to um, Richard Baxter, Robert Trail, another Puritan, wrote wrote a book in response, and his book was called Vindication of Protestant doctrine concerning justification and of its preachers and professors from the unjust charge of antinomianism. Mm, In a letter from the author to a minister of the country. (laughs) 100% for brevity. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect, succinct clarity. It's it's one of the shorter titles as far (laughs) as Puritans are concerned. (laughs) You know it's going to be a very, very brief, concise read. Yeah. And there were two points the trail brings out, which basically undoes Baxter's scheme. Okay. Um, firstly, the scheme demonstrably, uh, demonstra- I'm quoting Packer here. Mm-hmm. Firstly, the, the scheme demonstrably fails to come to terms with the representative headship of Christ, the second right. Adam, right. as this is set forth in Romans 5. It is, of course, on this unique federal relationship between Christ and his people that imputing to, the imputing to them of his righteousness is based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the charge of antinomianism or legal fiction as mm. the Roman Catholics right, charge. Right, right. Um, yeah. It, yeah. There is a real righteousness that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a false righteousness because it is Christ's righteousness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So we don't have to try and make faith a new law in order to make us truly righteous. Right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And cool. then uh, the second point that he makes is um, 
For a sinner to uh, pressed in conscience by the burden of uncleanness and guilt, he finds no relief. Or he, uh, he doesn't find relief by reminding himself that his faith is his evangelical righteousness according to the new law. But mm. rather, he finds his assurance by looking to the cross of Christ. Mm. My, uh, my Savior's obedience and blood hides all my transgressions from view. Mm. So Baxter's view fails to give assurance because it's, it casts us back on our works yeah. instead of on the righteousness of Christ. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's a very relevant issue. Wow, with with new perspective yeah. and federal vision and um, it's yeah, I mean, all... it just, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, this is why I love Packer. I mean, he just, I think he just the way he, yeah, I, I can I can highly recommend this article for anyone. Mm. But um, yeah, just the fact that he points out that you need faith as a law to get you in to the kingdom, mm-hmm. and then faith um, as the means to sustain you until the end mm-hmm. um, as a law. Yeah, yeah, yeah it just nails. Uh, yeah. Covenantal nomism. Exactly. You're calling for some sort of covenantal faithfulness. And at the end of the day, that's, um, yeah, you're back to square one there. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Again, like with these new heresies and the, the heterodoxies, I mean, they've all been done at some level before, you know, and they've been thoroughly refuted. I know that's why the, why the, um, you know, the historical theology gurus just love going back to this sort of thing because it's just, I mean, remember, you would be with me, right, when, when Jim Renian's sit- sitting in class there and um, and he's like railing against Baxter. But, you know, just, just accessing these massive uh, rebuttals of his work, which I remember sitting there just listening to it then. I think it was actually, it was just when uh, New Perspective was, was hitting and um, and just thinking, oh my goodness, what I'm hearing here is actually everything that needs to be said, especially espe- yeah. especially pertinent for a Reformed Baptist. You know what I mean? Because we're already sold on <laughs> on certain things. So yeah, to just hear how they're coming at that situation, um, it's just so relevant. So it's almost like there's a gold mine of theology waiting there just to be, you know, harvested and applied. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously, uh, often you need some good guides to take you through. Um, some of that, so Jim Renian would be one, that's for sure. But uh, James Packer did his dissertation on Baxter, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows him, and then um, you got Joel Beakey. Although now that's where it gets kind of funny for me because Joel Pe- Joel Beakey is kind of yeah. He he seems like. Have you heard him about Richard Baxter? Um, no. Doesn't doesn't really slam him, you know. <laughs> always gets me a bit worried you know when i get guy, you guys like he just really elevates certainly the reform pastor which i can understand just as a purely sort of pastoral yeah. work apart i mean if from, you read baxter's sermons i read them all the time i mean when if you ever want anyone to go after your sins mm. he is a bloodhound the guy just <laughs> he's, got, he's got lockjaw and he you know <laughs> he totally. just won't let you go. It's fantastic. If you <laughs> See, want someone who's, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna knock you up a little, he'll yeah, do it for you. Totally. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's so, not yeah. often that you meet people that want that, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> let the righteous smite me. It is a kindness. That's a verse from the Bible, Mike. I know, but you, you've just attained to levels of <laughs> sanctification that I'm pretty sure no one else is going to be able to identify with. You, you, Most you know of us drew my attention running. to that verse. Most of, hey, what's that? <laughs> you know who drew my attention to that verse? Who? Oh, Richard uh, Baxter. Charles Finney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Finney. <laughs> I rest my case. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he would use that. I got uh, no doubt. 
Um, cool. All right. So that's uh, can they get that article online? Uh, I don't know. I've got, I've got it's, it's in a that book, Quest for Godliness. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a great it's, book. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a fantastic book. It's mm. a bunch of short chapters on various aspects of the Puritans' belief, practice, worship, etc. Yeah, in fact, and, I, uh, I think you can't one on get that. In there. Yeah, you can't get mm. it on Kindle. You have to buy the hard copy, which absolutely sucks. Oh, it's worth uh, it. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah, well, there we go. Totally. Um, so that's a good start as well. I mean, they recommend that one is often the go-to for getting started with the Puritans, you know. Oh, um, yeah. So Quest for Godliness, J.I. Packet. Cool. That's awesome. There we go. Some thoughts about uh, that back, that scoundrel Baxter and um, <laughs> and some neonomianism. And, um, and uh, well, st- don't stay tuned. Uh, what, do you, what do we tell them to do now, Nick? Tune out? Just keep coming up. back. What's that? Keep coming <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, You know what I'll tell them to do? Go, go get on iTunes and give us a rating. I never tell anyone to do that. Go do that. Go do that. If you like this uh, podcast, give us a rating. Tell everyone how awesome we are and then come back. I got a message from Macau, which is in China. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Lauren, she's a teacher. Remember Lauren? She mm-hmm. came to X29. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's studying her master's. Yeah. Yeah. So she uh, she listens to the podcast and she heard my phone going off. <laughs> and uh, so she just sent a text to say, hey, man. Feeling homesick. Love that. Love the podcast. Yeah. Feeling homesick. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if that, if that text don't make you feel homesick, then um, <laughs> nothing will. That text, that text sound has been embedded in my consciousness, man. It's just like... I mean, I, I couldn't imagine life without it. It's part of, yeah. it's sort of, it's, a sound, it's, the, it's the soundtrack for every theological conversation I've ever had with you. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, always, always interrupting at the wrong time, usually getting you off the hook just before I slam dunk you on something, you know? <laughs> All right. Or is that, are you just not talking to me now? Yep. All right, so we're done. Okay. Done. Good night. Bye. Bye. <laughs>